0: see Come and see, come and see, come and see. You wanna be, you wanna be, wanna be. You wanna be the light. Hello, everybody. Hi. We're glad you're with us today. We're uh, excited to be talking about a subject. I don't even really want to. It's not a topic. It's a subject that we interact with every single day. And we know that you guys are interested in this, too. And we're going to talk about channeling. What is it? Where does it come from? How does it work? And how you get to be your own channeler. So yeah, get your coffee or cup of tea.
1: Wrap up in your blanket. It's a little bit chilly over here in the States and where we are in Oklahoma. I know, but we It's December. We're coming up on the solstice.
0: Oh. So excited for the solstice. It's it's definitely a time that we like to honor by oh, being out in nature. It's so beautiful.
1: Last year, <laughs> this is a funny story because I was thinking about this yesterday mm-hmm. when we were talking about what our solstice plans were. Yes. And last year, the solstice was at... 4 a.m. 4. It was at 4:44. It was at 4:44, which was really magical. And so we,
0: oh my god,
1: went out on uh, this beautiful land in Oklahoma.
0: Our friend, our, our our sister, our soul sister, is so awesome and has this beautiful, oh my god, beautiful magical spot. We have vectored uh-huh. there. We have done our own,
1: you know, ceremony. Interesting experiences and communication
0: with all types of beings. And well, it's there's, let's just say, I think it's more, I think it's just plenty accurate and fair to say that we've opened a number of portals (laughs) out there. Yes. We've been able to interact with lots of beautiful extra dimensional beings Mm -hmm. out there. So it was really our. Good fortune, we were blessed by being able to go out there last year. That we just felt really drawn to doing it, like we need to be out there at this time. It was conveyed to us through, yeah,
1: a dream.
0: A dream, yes,
1: that's right. A dream. It was conveyed through a dream that we had to be out there at 444.
0: So, you guys know by now that Melissa does not operate very well at uh any temperature below 75 degrees <laughs> <laughs> that's not really fair to say she operates just fine but she's she's you know she's <laughs> a she needs the warm climates so this was like a really big deal and i wanted to make it as comfortable for her as possible and i went out and purchased these portable <laughs> propane heaters and <laughs> Like, let, let's just say we're not in an enclosed space. We're out literally in a in a grassy field surrounded by cedar trees on the far perimeter of the area that we're in, trying to set the scene for you. A lot of native grasses. And just circling this big area are, are all the cedar trees, some post oaks. So it's not like there's really that much protection from the wind and the elements. And... But I thought, you know what? It's better than nothing. It's better than nothing, and and we're going to put it out there. And we bundled up. I couldn't even tell you how many layers (sighs) of socks, tights. It was, I don't even, single digits? It was, I think, below
1: the wind chill it was if, you, below if you all zero. don't know about the oklahoma wind chill like we may not get the cold temperatures but we're in the plains here i mean the wind chill can be easily in the negative it's brutal. you know
0: it can be brutal negative degrees but it was very invigorating By the time we were done with ceremony.
1: I look over and Marilyn, (laughs) and what's so funny is, is that I'm the one that doesn't like the cold. And I was actually quite toasty. Uh, I was like all, my face was in my my sleeping
0: bag. Let's just say part of my problem was the fact that my, all of my layers, I was literally Ralphie's younger brother in A Christmas Story I was so layered up and I had my Gore-Tex on and I had all this stuff on and I had my Mucklucks on, um, that I could not fit in my sleeping bag properly. (laughs) Let's just call it out. It's like trying to stuff, you know, a bunch of sausage and some casing that was a bit too tight. And I get the zipper (laughs) only partially way up my hip. And I can't go any further, and I can't reach because my arms are immobilized because I'm so layered up. So I wasn't as protected in some ways, even though I had blankets. I mean, we had... So here we are out in the field. We're freezing. And yet there was so much magic that was happening.
1: We were deep Deep, in meditation,
0: like not there. And that's probably I mean, part of the reason why we could have... deep in
1: connection oh, and God. our inner work that was happening. We were in some... It was, there was an interdimensional time shift. We were like, what day is it? What time is it? Where oh, have I been? Literally. How long have I been gone? And I look up, and Marilyn literally has freaking icicles <laughs> hanging off of her face. I, this is no... Lie! I'm not exaggerating for the first time in my life.
0: That, and I was that's like, dead. I was <laughs> that's cold. That's some cold shit right there. I don't think I'd ever so, been that cold. I turned into a, a How dedicated are you all to the solstice? Okay. <laughs>
1: Are you prepared? Are you willing to get frostbite? I did not think that I would ever get
0: warm again. And you know me. (laughs) I'm like, I am wearing a t-shirt in 30 degree weather. I did not know that I could ever, like I would ever obtain proper thawage and a warm body temperature again. And then we went and had breakfast. And it was awesome. It was so good. i our favorite breakfast joint. It was. It was beautiful. It was and we were so magical. Riding such a high. So guess what? Here we are. We're a week away. Yep. From uh, the winter solstice, and we hope you guys uh, had a great solstice and 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 whatever way. I mean, anytime you're listening to this, it's the now moment. But this is where we are right now, for us, and we are very much looking forward to being in that potent moment
1: the winter solstice is really something that i connect with more than any other time because it's such a beautiful time of reflecting on the year and to really like think about your life and like what you've accomplished what you would like to change in the new year Lots of time for reflection and processing and clearing and releasing mm-hmm. that which no longer serves and also right. of just paying attention also to all the things that you do love and the things that you're proud of. I'm really, really excited about 2018. Energetically, <laughs> I feel like something is really
0: shifting. Uh, I know maybe well, in- we, we were definitely in the thick of it this last year because I think this I was thought such-
1: 2017 was interesting.
0: It was interesting. We knew, I mean, if you were kind of tapped in and paying attention or were in that realm of of, of reading and receiving some information and reading the field, we knew this was going to be a challenging year of great opportunities for expansion on the individual level Lots and on the collective and level. Releasing. And right, and it's a year it's been a year of reckoning. It has been a year of reckoning and revolution. Been. And and yet I have felt very yeah. inward this year mm-hmm.
1: on a personal level. I have mm-hmm. felt very introverted, very cocooned, very um I've spent a lot of time with myself and by myself this year. Mm-hmm. And I've loved every minute of it. Yeah,
0: I, de- I, I definitely, you know, because I've been gone, I've, I've taken my little trips by myself. Uh-huh. I felt called to really um, that the importance of me being absolutely by myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't mind, it. you know me, I'm a social person. I interact with people, whatever. I know you are. I I needed to be alone and I'm really grateful because I do have a place I get a retreat to now and then that I don't have to go very far away. And I've done I don't ever think about getting in the car and driving hundreds of miles by myself. So and it sure seems like I'm just looking at our own little circle of it, of people that, you know, we are a part of their lives and they're a part of ours. Mm-hmm that I think that this has been mm-hmm. something that we've all felt mm-hmm. the need to do that, the introspection mm-hmm. of having such expansion and we've got to recalibrate. And for me, you were talking about the winter solstice and what the significance of it is for you. And I would say for me, maybe it's just cause I'm tapped into the, the old time way, right? <laughs> maybe it's such a part of my genetic <laughs> makeup that Hold I can't on. deny. Hold on. <laughs>
1: Hold on, I forgot what your uh what your Wiccan
0: name was. Well, I can't really give that out. I don't know why you're asking <laughs> me that. It's oh. not like I can I don't tell just anybody that name. Oh, okay, never mind. I'm sorry about It's that. okay. It's all right, you know. If I'm going in there I need my holy vestiges <laughs> on, my hooded cloak.
1: Maybe um, that's why I was dreaming about maybe that this you were, morning.
0: I it was more of a cape. A hooded cape, kind of like a maestro. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I'm wanting something more, you know, Claire from Outlander cape, but black. Maybe a maybe maybe a dark a dark cloak. Okay, whatever. I think it's funny because,
1: well, anyway, we were talking about hooded cloak figures and yet you yourself
0: I want to be want one. to be
1: a hooded cloaked
0: And yet figure. I don't trust them when they come to me.
1: All all of a sudden I'm wondering if these hooded cloaked figures that are to you are you. <laughs> I don't it doesn't feel like me. It feels like somebody else. I don't know. If you ran into yourself, would it feel like you if it's another version of you?
0: supposedly I've run into versions of myself and I don't know that I could identify them. You'd like to think that we would have some sort of vibrational resonance, like something would trigger like, Oh, Hey, but aren't we, <laughs> are we all each other you know, on some <laughs> level? <Yes>. Uh, <laughs>
1: this just got deep. It just got real deep. There's no. So deep. Okay. Getting back to your things. soul sister's jewels. I'm but sorry. my,
0: I think Melissa I think you're somewhat intrigued by the fact that I was practicing witch for many years I am I, and I am. but I was a solitary I think you can see my face right now I'm like yes, yes I yes, was Pelican. a solitary practitioner <laughs> uh, I did. I did pop in and out of a coven here and there. Local I coven. Just, I
1: know you so well that want I like to, I like to hear <laughs> tales of times things that I had no idea that you were doing. It just it's always intriguing Uh-oh. me. Oh, like when you talk about your possum research <laughs> and you just throw it out there so casually, like everybody knows about that. I'm like, What? You know, when I was Or when I you worked. were worked at the radio show and I'm uh-huh. like, What?
0: Yeah. You love that. I was listened to by so many farmers in their tractors. <laughs> I would give the daily ag report and people were glued to me. Okay.
1: I have no doubt.
0: And then I would spend, you know, an Alan Jackson 45. Um, we have completely digressed. <laughs> <laughs> we were over here talking about the winter solstice and we ended up talking about an ag report back to the winter solstice and my old ways is what I think it really started tipping and going down the scenic bypass route is that it is the longest night, right? And that's why we have these lights that we are honoring that longest night by whether it was a fire back in the day or candles or just, having the illumination that we have to be the light. We have to make the light. We have to do these things. And this is a a reminder of that time period that I think we all are embarking upon seasonally speaking of going within of being Mm -hmm. down within and really looking at ourselves, looking within and seeing that light and being that light. But you kind of got to go across the river sticks during that darkness so we're going to get to go out into the country and be outside Mm
1: -hmm. this year
0: we get the solstice after the sun's come up so that'll be nice
1: hallelujah
0: yeah hallelujah sun will be up and it'll be magical and i'm excited you were talking about how deep we had gotten last year and i mean the fact of the matter is is we get deep every time we have a session with a client and we're doing a Reiki Rock session. We can get very deep when we're we're vectoring, of course, right? And in those moments when we're having that, you know, interfacing happening, we have access to all this other information and it comes through. That is channeled information. Channeling would be a non-physical energy an entity or a collective or an element or whatever, something that is not necessarily physical that is communicating through a physical being.
1: Everybody Every, channels right. information all the time. They Every do. single person on just, this
0: planet can right. channel information and does. Exactly. Whether you realize it or not. It, there you go. I think it's all about like the terms and thinking about it. Cause I think what most people think about channelers They're probably imagining a trans channeler, somebody who their consciousness steps aside. They go into kind of a dreamlike state or their, their consciousness is, is in another, I don't really want to say it's in a container because I don't really like that, but it's, it's set aside and the non-physical energy entity that comes through has taken over physical control of the body, meaning that person can get up and walk around the room or they can be taken to the bathroom or they can get a drink of water and they don't even know that they're doing it. And typically with people who are doing trans channeling, their voice may change, you know, and we're going to get into more of that later. But I think that's what people typically think about that as channeled information or the conscious channeler who is just interfacing and communicating information from once again, a non-physical energy entity. This type of relationship has existed since the beginning of humans on earth.
1: Well, going back to some of the conversations that we've already had about intuition and intuitive skills, as human beings, we are multidimensional beings. If you look at children coming into this world... We know that we have access to all kinds of different dimensions at all times. And yet, through our programming and Mm -hmm. interactions with other people, either through being told that something's not real, being invalidated, or having to focus on the, quote, Real world.
0: Oh, of course. I mean, that's been the case. And so now we have this whole new generation. I think about my own my own youngest daughter. Right. And I think about how she would go on and on when she was like two, three years old, talking about her life in China, how she wanted to be, take me home, take me back to my home in China, and had all of this vivid memory detail, talked about her family, talked about this, talked about all kinds of things in other environments that would have been squelched.
1: I always knew that there weren't such a thing as imaginary friends.
0: Oh, These yeah. People, I mean, I've Who always are you to decide
1: that? who's real and
0: not real? That's what just, I used to think right. when I was a kid. Like, wait a minute. I'm mm-hmm. talking to this person just because you can't see him doesn't mean they're not there. And you, you and I were talking about this. Oh, if it happened in the Bible. <laughs> if, if Moses is talking to a burning bush, Ezekiel is seeing <laughs> UFOs, There are these prophets, right? Well, they get put on a pedestal for having these special, unique gifts. Thank God we don't live during the time of Joan of Arc, you know, or even Nostradamus. Other people who were channeling information and who were vilified. Well, Nostradamus, not so much, because he was very clever. He was very smart in how he laid his quote-unquote prophecies out there. But Joan of Arc, gee... What happened to her? And we know in all the sacred texts that there was all kinds of channeled information. Oh, Noah, you're getting these visions. You're getting these downloads of information that God is giving to you. And nobody is calling that channeling. But that's exactly what Noah did. He was saying, I've had a vision. God's given me. Well, we'd call that a download. You know, from all that is. You're being told... How to build it, how to do it, who to get to take on board. And Noah wasn't the first person to have divine information given to him about a massive catastrophic flood. All of these major civilizations across time and space have used, quote unquote, seers, people Mm -hmm. who are connecting with the divine, people who are bringing forth information from other sources that are not physical. Mm -hmm. So... It's really the labels that we're putting on it. And I think those were special people. Mm -hmm. Not everybody could do that. And if you claimed you could do that, well, you could get run out of town on a rail. Because it would be blasphemy, right? You're not the anointed one. I didn't say you could have those visions. I mean, I go back to thinking about St. Hildegard. I know. St. Hildegard was channeling information. She was channeling information and music. And we know that music. St. Hildegard was channeling in one of the most magical ways. If
1: you can have five sense visions, you're physically in another dimension. Exactly. I mean, I don't know how you would be able to differentiate. You
0: couldn't between what reality and another reality. And, of course, there is the contingent of people that would be like, well, that's called mental illness. (laughs) And she had schizophrenia. Well, the Pope didn't think so. No, he agreed. Thank God. Her team stepped in and been like, yo, Pope, give her the okay. And he's like, I deem these visions to be true. Yes. Thanks, Pope. (laughs) Thank you for validating it. (laughs) But if you didn't have that, you ended up like Joan of Arc. So people have been a conduit of this information. And as with all things, it is up to us. The people that are listening to that information to discern what resonates, what doesn't resonate, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of get into that a, a little bit uh, later on in in the show. But I don't think we've mentioned this. A lot of channelers back in the day would be referred to as mediums and this psychic practice, mediums. right? Psychic mediums. I get the term. You're acting as a go-between, but you're kind yeah. of not. It depends on what type of channeler you are, first of all. Mm -hmm. And of course you have to know when people are channeling information about future events, i.e. like Nostradamus, even Edgar Cayce. I mean, there's been a number of people that are going to claim to have visions from future probabilities, but that's the thing. It's that it's not a for fact deal. And every, oh, my God, every Nostradamus gets pulled out. I'm sure he's literally saying, stop including me (laughs) with your shows about my predictions because y'all got it all wrong. You know, I mean, you cannot predict the future. And
1: having said that, I think that... Oh, you can see probabilities. I think that he was very tapped into a probable reality that very well could have happened.
0: Right. But other things happen and things get moved around and they shift.
1: But did they shift because of Nistorda? Exactly. Predictions? Did they?
0: And people are doing Did he change? But most the people like to go back and lay it into their own personal framework. I mean I just think about all the Nazi stuff, you know, they always pull him out that he predicted the Nazis and JFK, maybe Abraham Lincoln's assassination. So we've mentioned a few historical figures that mm-hmm. have been channelers. For most people, I think modern day channeling was really a big push from Edgar Casey. The mm-hmm. Sleeping Prophet. This is the early 1900s. Edgar Casey was kind of like the most well-known and and like I said people didn't necessarily call him um they they weren't calling him a channeler per se as a prophet. With most people who end up being trans channelers they're they're over here doing something else and the consciousness of that entity or that collective entity is coming through and he would bring forth i don't want to say as a surprise but it's not intentionally sought after mm-hmm. let me leave it at that right? let's just say agreements are made agreements are made on a higher level you know, um... the conscious human being the personality self. Is not aware of. Right. And yet there are these things that when you reflect back are all leading to this moment, mm-hmm. right? You know, for Edgar Casey, how fascinating it is that his health problems is all centered in his throat. Hello, mm-hmm. throat chakra. And
1: he sought out a hypnotist that put him in Mr. A, a hypnotic trance uh-huh. in order to help cure him right. of his severe laryngitis. And whenever he was in the trance state, he could speak. And then when he came out of the trance, he couldn't anymore. And so so yeah, when yeah. he was in one of these hypnotic trances where he could speak, he actually brought through a collective yeah. of entities that mm-hmm. gave him some medical advice on how to heal himself mm-hmm. and that's what happened.
0: And he played a little cat and mouse game with these in, this the collective for a little bit cuz he really was about to do the, you know, he was going to do Well,
1: people were coming to him
0: for medical advice and they he was like, him I'm to... like I'm not comfortable to... well Well, who can blame him for that? I he was totally... at least had integrity enough to be like <laughs> I'm not going to make up shit because I don't know if it's going to work or not. Well, his and if it whole doesn't thing work, was like, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what like I'm saying. this was like back in the day right.
1: when it's not like, you know, this How, was on right. YouTube. Right. Or someone wouldn't <laughs> right. you know, necessarily, you know, mm-hmm. I, someone was having to transcribe what he would say. Right. Nobody had a recorder and out. And it was very, it made him feel very uncomfortable to know that he was speaking all of this right. with no context whatsoever
0: right. for any of it. I value authenticity and integrity Mm -hmm. and i felt like he had that and wasn't trying to do other things that how people interpreted his work really didn't have anything to do with him
1: people kind of got away from wanting him to cure their right you know illnesses Mm -hmm. and he started talking about things like past lives and the physics of the The, universe well because he was accessing the that was his whole
0: thing of accessing the akashic records right he could go in to the Hall of Records, into the Akashic Records, which a reminder we all have an Akash. Our Akash is the entirety of our soul's existence. And when we are not physically incarnated in body, we have access to all of this incredible. It, we can just tap into it. So we all want to be able to tap into it as much as we fully can while we are embodied. Yeah, know, yeah, this is always the goal for me. It's always one of uh, many goals besides omnipotence <laughs> is to be able to walk into the Akashic Library oh, and pull out a selection and be like, oh, that's who you are. Or, oh, that's what this means or god no wonder i've had an issue with that or oh look at that how funny is it but we life did that would be together. kind of
1: boring if you knew all of that at all you times.
0: don't want to know that but you're also talking to somebody who has no qualms with spoilers or reading the end of a book first i know so I, there you I go
1: i don't understand that and i also <laughs> i just
0: if anything i just don't get it i, I love a surprise get a transparent i Marilyn. love a surprise well i do too sometimes i but you really like surprises <laughs> Which is so funny, because you're probably looking for a little bit of excitement
1: I think in your Pleiadian
0: life on Earth. It's just a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of getcha. Like a little bit of getcha.
1: Oh, tell. Me, there's there's lots of surprises here. <laughs> every day. Every day. Every moment every of, moment every, day of every, day every day is an opportunity is, to it, be surprised. To be
0: surprised. I did not see that coming. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> well, I, I I give Edgar Casey a lot of props, and I see him really as the inception point of beginning to bring forth more of the collective information. Well, and I would of the say spiritual evolution. That was the beginning of giving that big stone a push. That was
1: not that long ago. Not really, you know. I mean, and on. and the the potential for this collective shift in our consciousness as mm-hmm. humanity was known yeah. to, to higher dimensional beings. Yeah, they knew that this path was coming. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it kind of, for modern day channelers, it did start with Edgar Casey. It really and did. Right into Jane Roberts.
0: If you don't know who Jane Roberts is, we'll have a link of that in our show notes, to the Seth Center, and you can read more about Jane and her husband Robert and Seth. Jane was first and foremost, a writer. Uh, she is a beautiful poet and <clears throat> wrote all kinds of books as Jane. And she was very intrigued with ESP, which, you know, Who you hardly it? ever hear anybody talking about ESP. ESP this, if I saw a book and it said ESP on it, I was grabbing it. If um, I could get it, too. oh my gosh, extrasensory perception. Yes, this is what I do. How do I do it? How do I hone it? How can I make it better?
1: And let's not forget that my mom had herself exercised oh, for having right. ESP, which made it even more intriguing to me. <laughs> I was like, yes, what is that?
0: It sounds awesome. I want to I do it. I want to I I be able to have that. ESP. Um, of course. So Jane was intrigued. You have to – let me also give you the time frame. This was the early, mid-60s. Okay, so we're really – On a collective level, on the cusp of a major fork in in the collective road of are we going into this age of Aquarius with expansion and harmony and peace? So this was happening. It was on, on the precipice of all of this stuff really opening up with people. How old was Jane? Jane was in her 30s. Okay. She wasn't like young, young. She was 30s she was playing around with automatic writing is what was happening in order to refine and hone her ESP skills. And so automatic writing is when I would say you're, and everybody has a different method of how they prepare to get into that state. I would say you're going to get into a, basically a meditative state mm-hmm. and you've got your notebook and your pen. Some people I know have used typewriters. Mm-hmm. Jane sat down with a notebook and a pencil and, just got into the state and all of this information. And I love the other, the other aspect I love about Jane working with her husband, Robert on all of this is that they would have these deep discussions about, okay, well, where is this coming from? What is this about? How did you feel? What does this mean? You know, they were really deconstructing the
1: power of a spiritual BFF.
0: You got to have one. And for them, they were a married couple, but they were really good friends. You know, her husband, Robert, was an artist, an incredible painter. And so what happened was spontaneously one evening in their upstate New York apartment that they lived in, um, Seth came through. Now keep in mind, Jane was this tiny little diminutive, little petite woman, very delicate features, very, very petite, very thin Um, who was a very, um, she's got a quiet strength to her, I would Mm say. So Jane was, you know, smoking her. She's always had a cigarette in her hand and a cup of coffee or a glass of water. But, um, Seth came through and her whole body changed and her voice changed in such a, dramatic way. There was no denying that you were talking to somebody coming through Jane that was not Jane. And Seth began to lay out the connections with Jane himself and Robert. The three of them had lived a life together. So he would refer to Jane as Rupert and he would refer to Robert as Joseph and he was Seth. And so it was in this lifetime of them living together and having a life together. And that's how they knew each other. They were three very good friends.
1: Which in and of itself is, you know, just.
0: Won't you want your re- old best friend it to channel for you if they could? The
1: concept that mm-hmm. we all know to be true, that we find each other time and time again. People, you know, everybody's somebody.
0: Everybody is somebody. And you know, everybody
1: in your life that you are connected with—you look you around, have probably had other your siblings, with.
0: your friends, your spouses, your All partners, your children, your grandparents, people that you seem to have encounters with over and over, or maybe you have met somebody and, and just the, have the magnetic, magnetic <laughs> is so strong, and you're like, I know you. I, I feel like you. I know you. That is your soul, the you of you and that person's soul really coming through in that moment of recognition. I think when you are at a level of awareness and you've been doing this work and your spiritual path is very important to you, why wouldn't you take that opportunity of being like, out of all of the places we could have incarnated, we found each other. Mm -hmm. We get to explore that. When Jane met Robert and when they got together, Oh, yeah, that was a pure soul recognition. Total soul recognition, never dated, but had run into each other four times and were like, she was the one that knew. She was like, well, you know what? I'm leaving my husband because she was married to somebody else. I'm leaving my husband, and I'm going to live by myself, or I'm going to come and live with you. You know? So there you go. But look at the
1: power of what they got to explore together, honoring that recognition of the past lifetimes that they've had together. I mean, the explorations that they got to have, the connection, the strength of that relationship brought forward some of the best, the most important material that we've ever had.
0: Robert took dictation by hand of every session and was an impeccable documentarian of the experience. He wrote it out eventually when people started coming they would make their way to their apartment they began to do some audio recordings this was back in the day recording yes. shit was expensive you had to have like reel to reel tape
1: and i remember just from reading it what i appreciated about his dictation mm-hmm. was how he would write little side notes or yes. about like providing context about janes feeling state at the time Mm -hmm. or some some things that she said or what was going on in their life at the time or details about the room or the people that were there. It made you feel like you were there.
0: It did. And I really appreciated that as well. Uh I want to share because I think Jane just did an excellent job of describing this. So I'm going to, I'm going to take you back and I'm going to read a quote from Jane because this happened i'm just going to i'm just going to go with this this was a september evening 1963 and jane was sitting down working at her table doing some writing robert was in his studio painting very very calm very just you know beautifully mundane evening of them doing their own pursuits and this is the quote from jane and i'm just going to read it as as she dictated it It was a very domestic, very normal, very unpsychedelic moment, she would later remember. And then, between one normal minute and the next, a fantastic avalanche of radical new ideas burst into my head with tremendous force. It was as if the physical world were really tissue paper thin hiding infinite dimensions of reality. And I was flung through the tissue paper with a huge ripping sound. So how do you go back from something like that?
1: Although I think a lot of people do try to to run from those kinds of experiences oh
0: you're absolutely correct
1: i mean there's yeah, no doubt it's i mean only, it's only you, the bravest of the brave right, that can really that will take surrender the step through to that mm-hmm. you know to that experience and trust that it's all happening by <laughs> divine
0: guidance when those things are happening and you're acting on something without thinking it, i'm like that's a moment of embodying your higher self and your mm-hmm. higher self You've left the show, higher self has taken over for a moment, decisions get made in a nanosecond, and you go forward and you do something. As talking about it just in terms of channeling, Jane literally would describe it as a trans like state present, not present, Mm -hmm. you know? And that is an example that we would call trans channeling or the channeling where your whole vessel is just being used as a conduit mm-hmm. in that moment to bring that forward. And
1: it's very taxing
0: physically. It is very taxing physically, to energetically bring forward to have another right.
1: vibrational frequency that that's not your own inhabiting mm-hmm. your body mm-hmm. for a, a short amount of time. Right. Well, there's limitations. There's time limitations. There are, yeah.
0: You cannot be tra- trance channeling for hours and hours on end. Although, I think that was the, what part of the issue. Jane also, as a physical being, had horrible, debilitating rheumatoid arthritis, constantly trying to find ways of improving her health. I think this is very interesting when you think about Edgar Casey and his health issues, that there are a lot of people that have health issues that this somehow gets activated. I don't think that that is by... I mean, there are no coincidences. I don't understand what the design purpose is of that. Uh, and I'm not going to know, but I find it an interesting observation to make. Looking at
1: it and reading about Edgar Casey, and also from my own experience having health issues is that when we have some sort of disease process or some physical discomfort or chronic pain or whatever it is, for some people that is going to open the door to these more unconventional ways of thinking about that, and of which course. is going to—I mean, just like Edgar Casey agreeing mm-hmm. to be put in a hypnotic trance in order to
0: help—you're willing you know? to try anything. You're when willing you're to desperate. try anything. Let's just call it what it is. I and mean, we've already talked about that. In we other did talk about it, right? And how
1: we got into lithotherapy, right? Which led to all these other subtle energy healing modalities. But when you are opening yourself up to that sort of ancient wisdom, mm-hmm. it's like you're opening yourself up right. consciously to the Akash right, and to other dimensions of reality.
0: Jane and Seth opened up a huge door because really these books were published. The notoriety began like around 1970, 71. So it's the beginning of the 70s. The collective in this country, anyway, was very open to a lot of new paradigm shifting. And it was it was clear in a lot of different areas. I can just recall as growing up in that time period. So you have people that are interested in UFOs. You have people that are interested in psychics. You have people that are interested in this, this material that Seth brought forward. Those were best-selling books. I mean, people knew who they were. It was kind of phenomenal for that time but she really blazed the trail. Seth blazed the trail with the material. Jane opened up those doors that allowed other people who were having their own experiences of awakening or beginning to channel other beings or collectives. And, um, and some people getting into it very reluctantly, you know, and yet when there is a surrender to the process, everything opens up, you know. So in the years after the after Jane and Seth, Esther Hicks came through, uh, or she channeled Abraham. Abraham was really a collective that came through her, and she was another person that started with doing, you know, was doing typewriting and having it come forward in a written format and then having this acclamation that needs to happen. I'm sure. Right. The being, the non-physical energy entity has got to find a way to calibrate to that physical vessel. Mm-hmm. It's a partnership, mm-hmm. you know, and you got to work at that. And that's what I appreciate. There's another one of a, a beloved, beloved trans channeler who we have recommended his book to many of our clients. And that's Lee Carroll. Mm -hmm. And he trans-channels a collective called Cryon of Magnetic Service. Cryon did a very similar thing in writing a book called The Journey Home that he had channeled through Lee Carroll. Mm -hmm. And Lee Carroll was a reluctant channeler.
1: These people paved the way. I mean, uh, literally, we, can, right. we live in a world right now where you can, you can hang get your on shingle YouTube. up on YouTube
0: and channel <laughs> you Glee Glop and every, you're gonna, you can have a readership and a listenership and you can get a message out to the world. You're talking about people that would travel around doing workshops or in the case of Jane. These and people Seth, need to be that People made pilgrimages to their tiny-ass little apartment. The living room would be full. There would be this massive reel-to-reel recording thing that Rick Stack would bring in. So, by the way, as an aside, Rick Stack, who was a student of Seth and Jane and was one of the young kids from New York City coming up to sit in their apartment, he started recording that, and he helps operate the Seth Center, and he has given tirelessly of himself to make sure this information and all of her recordings – that was a beautiful gift to give. Like you can get on there. I just we really like when people support and you can buy all of those books on their website and you're supporting the work that they do by preserving. However, what I think is really cool, all of the Seth material, all of Jane's works are housed in the library at Yale. That's where all of the original collections are. Wow. I know she gifted that and they took it. If you're right there around Yale, you can go in there and pop in the library.
1: Wow, that would be really cool. And and check that That out. That makes me want to go there now. I mean, are they typed up? Are they handwritten?
0: Yeah, Yeah, all of Robert's notes.
1: What about all of her automatic writings and stuff? I don't know.
0: I don't know about that. I don't know how extensive the collection is, but I know the books are all there. Wow. Maybe somebody can, you know, feel free if you want to go down that little hole of inquiry.
1: Any listeners around Yale, please go there. Yeah, and go check out to see the Jane Please Roberts go there. collection because it's all there. So we can live vicariously together.
0: I know. You. I know. It would be really, really awesome. Um, one thing that I
1: appreciated about Seth is a lot of channeled information is coming from extraterrestrial beings. Right. Or collectives of extraterrestrial beings or collectives of high, high, high dimensional beings that have never been human. I've never been a human. Oh, you bring being up a really Earth. good
0: point. That's a really good point, and I had kind of forgot about and it.
1: And Seth was a human being. He it, had many human lives. It
0: is because the higher dimensionally you are, the more removed you are from the human physical experience. And there's a lot to be said of having had it and know the complexities and the density and the heaviness of having been in the third dimensional reality, and and the duality of love and fear and. And having all of these just human elements, human experiences, human emotions, I really appreciate it when I'm hearing somebody who is channeling somebody who actually is a little bit closer to my density and that they've, or at least they can tap into that existence. Mm -hmm. I think it's important for everybody to remember what we would call conscious channeling, which is... You know, you're, you're fully aware of your surroundings. You're fully, you're, you're fully present and you're not, you have not stepped aside. Your body has not been, uh, is not being utilized by that non-physical entity, but you're receiving messages through visual imagery, through thought forms from a non-physical entity, collective reality. These messages can be written down. They can be spoken out loud. And when you're conscious channeling, keep in mind, there is a different type of filter and lens that comes through. Because you are, you are not stepped aside, things are going to kind of come through your own personality self's lenses, belief, your framework, and things like that. That's why discernment is really key in everything. For you as the recipient of the information, as you as the listener, you know, Even with yourself. Just because
1: something's channeled doesn't mean it's the end all be all.
0: No, if it's not coming from a place of of the highest good for all, that's not the type of information that a higher dimensional or extra dimensional being that is a service to others is going to be giving you, you know. So discernment is really important. And, you know, there's other levels to that con there are let's say there are different aspects of conscious channeling there's empathic interfacing downloading mm-hmm. it was downloaded i don't know it was just downloaded into me it was just like placed inside mm-hmm, my awareness mm-hmm. i did not seek it out this information this vision whatever it was this like auditory there's message. no
1: way that i could know this this did right. not come from me it right. just got inserted into my mm-hmm. consciousness like you have the knowing but you get to explore all these concepts as yourself from your own perspective and how does this make sense to me and how does this change the way that I see the world and how does this fit into to me as my personality self and how right. I see the world.
0: I think everybody receives downloads mm-hmm. and what they do with the information is entirely up to them of how they are recognizing it. And, you know, so if these things are happening and it's in the moment and you're like, where did that come from? Well, document it. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to it. Explore it. Just like you were talking about, you you want to unpack that information. But we also, what we would say is, receive information during a daydream state or oh, the dream my state, gosh, yes, um, and or a deeply meditative state, and that is valid information, and you really benefit. We all do when we are paying attention to how it made us feel, what did we get triggered by, or I knew this to be true. This is still, we would say, this is all channeled information. You know, once again, I want to be able to be able to go into a deeply meditative state and go into the Akashic library and read all about my Akash or having that awareness of of knowing my some of my soul's experiences and some people can do it
1: uh spontaneously Mm -hmm. without even wanting to do it and Mm -hmm. some people it's about honing those intuitive skills it's about following a level of excitement because anytime you are excited about something it has a lot (laughs) of momentum and kind of Mm -hmm. clears a path for that to be more accessible
0: yeah it's like getting a turbo boost you know, yeah, of, it it, it's like when you're excited, you're turbo boosting your endeavor in all things. But especially when you're doing this type of work.
1: Why are channeled messages important to us as human beings?
0: Well, I would say on a basic level, it's probably because we feel like there's some degree of a larger knowing or awareness because you're not in the physical It's something that we have in our consciousness. It is a knowing that we have in our physical vessels on a genetic level. And we seek that which we cannot see with Mm -hmm. our own physical senses. And yet we have been brought up and conditioned to distrust and to be disconnected from these abilities that we all have. And channeling is no different than that that everybody has the ability to access that. And so I think that people are attracted and seek it out because they know that there's truth there to be found, maybe, you know, or answer.
1: And, I mean, I liken it to being in the middle of the woods as opposed to climbing up, you know, to the highest limb of a tree and having the vantage point, the higher perspective of, of the totality of everything that's going on, you know, that, that we can't see. And certainly as humans, we do feel like we are not getting the whole picture.
0: Because we know it to be true <laughs> in our heart, right? We know that it to be true. That there's something
1: that is eluding us. And especially with these big channelers, like we mentioned, mm-hmm. these, these people, I mean, you can read them. So many different sources, so many different channelers. So many different entities being channeled, and yet the information is universally true. These are things about fundamental principles of the universe. The and mechanics how of it. How consciousness works and right. how we are creating our own reality and how that works. Mm-hmm and oversouls and higher selves Mm -hmm. and incarnations and time and space and all of these concepts that can be a lot to take in, but it certainly, you know, I think is very helpful to sorting out your own life as your own personality self. Right,
0: right. And therefore, I think it's a really powerful tool it's a, a part of ourselves that we have to work at to home mm-hmm.
1: sometimes and, I know that i when I hear some really high dimensional uh you know channeled information and I know the truth of it, and I'm always trying to when I'm hearing channeled information that resonates with me deeply and I know the truth of it, I'm like, how am I grounding this information into my human experience? you know how does that translate? How do I apply this? Well, and how does that reconcile with
0: my actual living life as me, right. as Melissa in this life, or me as Marilyn? And I got to deal with this, and I got to deal with that, and I have these relationships, and I'm a mom, and I got to <laughs> take care of my mother. How do I ride right. that and integrate it right. and bring it bring it into my but life? But I think
1: that's. That's the whole point. It is right? the whole point, right? I mean it's like a we get to we get to merge that higher wisdom with our human experience and become something new and become mm-hmm. changed because of it, you know, and we need we can create something that's new and different and better, hopefully with those new awarenesses. Well,
0: and you don't know what's gonna unfold when you embark upon a path of trying to be consciously aware of being a conduit of this type of information. And, and being open to these energies. It goes back to what we were talking about with the 11 steps, right? You want to be able to do, be doing all of those things in order to be able to be in a place to then embark upon, okay, now I get to take it to the next level. And the next level is, is I'm going to actually do a concerted effort on learning how to channel my own information in a way that I receive it with complete clarity, mm-hmm. and I get to then take it and unpack it for myself and understand it in the context of who I am and my life and my experience and in my totality.
1: Well, and this is why we put together the eleven steps because everybody has access to this information. Right. everybody we have has transcended access.
0: from the paradigm that you have to go through some hierarchical structure. There is no one that is going to be able to interpret your experience better than you. So
1: I think that what most people really want to know is how do I channel my higher self? How can I get information from the higher aspect of my own consciousness? And to that, we're always going to recommend getting into a deep meditative state. Ask for that guidance and just allow whatever information is going to come into your awareness to, to just present itself with no expectations of any outcomes. I think that when you're starting to play around with these concepts, it can be really easy to have an idea of how that should happen for you you know, based on how you've seen it unfold for other people. And you really need to just allow because you have your own unique gifts and you are your own unique person and how what's right for the way that you receive information is going to be unique to you. And so just allowing information to come through, whether it's through writing, imagery, words, feeling states, downloads or dreams, Sometimes you can't put a timeline on it. You know, I might be struggling with something and I need some clarity and I do my stuff and I do my practices and I get in my aligned state and I'm, you know, asking and I'm trusting and I'm surrendering and nothing happens. And in fact, I might be in such a deep meditative state that I wake up like 20 minutes later. Then I'll go to sleep that night and I'll have all of this dream recall that basically is answering my question. You know, it's giving me the guidance that I need. So, I mean, don't put any limitations on how this information or when it is going to Mm -hmm. come to you. And try not to have any frustration. It's hugely important in order to be a clear channel and for information to be running through you to not have any
0: resistance to receiving that information. Right. There are many consciousness exercises that you can find online to help with your endeavors. However, if you really want to take it to the next level, I would recommend taking a channeling class. But before you do that, give yourself the opportunity of doing this work on your own. Mm -hmm. Because when you're able to do it on your, on your own, or if you have a friend or a group of people that this is like, you get to hang out and talk about these things then you can kind of begin to work with each other, you know? And I think that's always really cool, but this is stuff that you can do on your own at your own pace. Like Melissa said, no expectations and don't get frustrated. And just because you're doing something and you're putting all this effort and you don't feel like you're really receiving anything you are, and it is going to come out. And when you have that, things are going to unfold even more obviously with more clarity and you just have to, once again, as with all things, trust the process. Trust the it process. It takes
1: practice for we most have, people. Well, it yeah, takes and practice. we had
0: to practice at it, and we had to hone it. This can really elevate your life in so many profound ways. It certainly has for us, for our own journey, our own healing, our own awareness. Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground today. In this episode about channeling, there's an incredible array of information out there. There are amazing channelers. You're probably already tapped into some right now that you like to listen to or stay up with. But really, from my perspective, this is all about for people to feel like they have the power to do this work themselves. Mm -hmm. And to give a little bit more context, because... A lot of the people that we're going to be talking to down the road are people that are channelers because we find their life's work amazing and we want to be able to have conversations with them about that work. So you can visit our website for the show notes and the links to the resources and the channelers we've talked about today. And as always, we're eternally grateful that you joined us for another episode of the Be The Light podcast. We really appreciate everybody who takes the time to listen to us and our fun explorations. And if you really like what you're listening to, we are always grateful for your support by subscribing to our podcast. And if you really dig it or you really resonate or however you feel about it, we always appreciate a review.
1: We're really happy that you were listening wherever you are and whenever you are we love you be the light podcast is produced by teal hobson Lowther. our amazing theme music was lovingly created by frequency jones visit our website bethelightrocks.com stay woke y'all The dog